Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, good morning, friends. We're joining you live today on this Lord's Day, the 20th of August, 2023. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. I can see your comments and invite you to uh, leave us your prayer requests so we can all turn to the Lord together today, pray for one another, lift up each other, lift up the church, the nation, the unborn, and our mission for life. And I'm going to focus on one verse of Scripture today, literally one verse, and we are going to unpack it with plenty of other references from the Old and the New Testament, and it's going to give us encouragement to persevere. Perseverance is crucially important. We have to be in the right place, uh, but then we've got to stay in the right place, and that's the the, uh, virtue of perseverance. So thank you for joining me. Plenty of people on many platforms here this morning. And as always, I encourage you to share and spread the word to others. Let's continue growing our online community and uh, the power that is there, not only to pray for one another, but to make a change in the world, a change to save this country and to save the unborn. That's our mission. Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we bring ourselves into your presence today, rejoicing that you have revealed yourself, that you have given us your law. Your commands are the joy of our hearts and our spirit. You are the God of life and you give life and you call us to defend life, to proclaim it, to celebrate it, to serve it. And here we find joy and salvation, the fullness of eternal life. We ask you today as we begin to give us your forgiveness of our sins. Lord, in what we have done and what we have failed to do, in ways that we have offended you, ways that we have aborted your will in our lives. We ask forgiveness. And we stand ready to forgive others, Lord God, as they ask for our forgiveness. Because we pray each day that you should forgive us as we forgive others. So, Lord, we do forgive others. We still acknowledge, if someone has wronged us, that that is wrong. But, Lord, at the same time, we do not hate We do not wish ill on others, but rather as your sun shines and rain falls on both the just and the unjust, so our goodwill falls on both the good and the bad. Bless us as we come together for time of worship and prayer. Send your Holy Spirit who wrote your word to help us understand it. And send that same spirit to enable us to live it faithfully and to proclaim it to others. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So we are live and uh, ah, good to be with you. I was traveling the last few days up in the Northeast and uh, great to be back at Priest for Life headquarters today and this week when we'll have some staff coming in from other cities and we'll be doing a lot of planning and uh, activities. Well, I want to share with you from the uh, reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I am speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I glory in my ministry in order to make my race jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, 
what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Just as you once disobeyed God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now disobeyed, in order that by virtue of the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God delivered all to disobedience, that He might have mercy upon all. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the gifts and call of God are irrevocable. That's what I want to focus on this morning. Paul is speaking to this theme in the context of the history of all the beautiful preparation that God made through the centuries with the prophets and saying that the Messiah would come. Of course, the promise was there from the very beginning of the Scriptures when Adam and Eve sinned. God said, well, the serpent's head will be crushed. He will strike against your heel, but he will be crushed. And that was the proto-gospel, as it's called. That was the first announcement of the salvation that we find in Jesus Christ. The new Adam. But this salvation that was prepared for and announced through the prophets, came to the chosen people of God. But as John says in his gospel, to his own he came, but his own rejected him. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, we had to turn to the Gentiles, because those for whom this salvation was originally prepared didn't accept it. But now Paul says, do you think God has changed his mind about his own people, if they initially rejected the proclamation of the gospel, do you think he wants it to remain that way? And this is where this verse comes in. He says, no, God's not going to forget about his own people, the people of the, of the covenant. He's going to allow them to accept the truth as well. Now the whole world is hearing the gospel. And of course, that is what was going to happen anyway. But God has now made it clear, and Paul is making it clear, that the gifts and the call of God, the call to faith, the call to belief, the call to redemption, the call to salvation and eternal life in Jesus Christ, the call to be part of the body of Christ, doesn't change. It's not revoked. It doesn't have an expiration date. It seems like everything else in life does. Our mortal lives here on earth have an expiration date. The medicines in our cabinet, the foods, in our kitchen. They, they, everything has an expiration date. Our cars, you know, after a while, bring them for inspection every year. After a while, they have an expiration date. Our computers, software program, everything has an expiration date. Not the gifts and the call of God. They are irrevocable. Well, you know, I've often said this in the context of the sanctity of life. When did God decide that you should exist. So when, when, when did he make the decision, like specifically about you and all your characteristics? When did he decide that you should exist? And the answer is, there was no point in time. He always, as long as he has been God from all eternity, he knew you, he decided that you would be, that I would be. He knew us in all and every detail. For as long as God has been God, his choice 
for your life has been yes. This, of course, makes abortion an even more abominable sin when you think about it because you're saying no, not simply to an, a, a, a circumstance that arose at a specific point in time when someone became pregnant, conceived a child. You're saying no to something that has been a choice of God from all eternity. He never changes his mind. Change itself is a product of time. In eternity, you don't have change in God. He's the fullness of everything, the perfection of all being. He doesn't change his mind. Okay, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. I want to look at some scriptures that bring this out in various ways. First of all, you know, in John chapter 6, when Jesus is about to talk about himself as the bread of life, in fact, he begins talking about himself as the bread of life, saying that, verse 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of what he gave me, but raise it up on the last day. Reminiscent, of course, three chapters earlier, the famous verse, God so loved the world. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. And what does Paul say in the first letter to Timothy, chapter 2? God wants all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is talking about it from God's side. It's not talking about it from the side of those who are going to reject it. Some people will try to use those verses to say, oh, well, in the end, everyone will be saved. Nobody's going to hell. Oh, yes, there are people who will be going to hell. Jesus talks about it as a future fact, not as just a possibility. But the fact of the matter is that from God's side of the equation, nothing changes. The Father sent the Son into the world to do what? To save the world. He wants all to be saved and to come to know the truth. Jesus says, this is the will of my Father that I should not lose any of what He gave me. In other words, we're not going to stop calling the shepherd going out looking for the lost sheep, the woman looking for the lost coin. God's not going to stop. See, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says in the book of Revelation. He is going to keep coming after us, continue and continue. The grace is going to continue to come. We sin, His sun still shines on us. We go astray. He keeps seeking us. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. He's never going to change. This reminds you, doesn't it, of uh, Psalm 110. The Lord has sworn an oath. Well, let, me go, let me go to where I could quote it, but 110 verse um, uh, 4. The Lord has sworn an oath, and He will not change His mind. You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. You know, in the last uh, eight or nine months, I've never heard this verse more frequently, because everybody says it to me when they see me. Oh, you are a priest forever. Of course, that's Catholic teaching, right? Just like baptism. If you're baptized, if you're confirmed, same thing is true with confirmation. Even if you came to a point, God forbid, where you rejected the entire faith and lived for decades as a non-believer, didn't even believe in God, and then you came to your senses and said, oh, you know what, i got to go back. 
And Jesus, of course, upon your repentance would forgive you. Let me ask you this. Would you have to be baptized again? Would you have to be confirmed again? No, of course not. The gift of God is irrevocable. Once He put that seal on your soul, on your being, once He said to you, you are my son, you are my daughter, this day I have begotten you, in an analogous way to what the Father says to the only begotten son, that doesn't change. And that's why you, don't have, you would not have to be if that unfortunate apostasy would ever happen in your life. You would not have to be rebaptized. You go to confession, of course, but you wouldn't have to be baptized again. Neither would you have to be confirmed again. And neither would a priest, whether he was thrown out of the priesthood or left voluntarily or became an atheist or a terrorist, if he went off and did that for years and years and years. Imagine the worst possible, what are the, St. Paul in reverse, right? Paul was rounding up the Christians to be persecuted and, 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 and then he became a believer and a proclaimer of the gospel. What if a proclaimer of the gospel turned around the other way and went out and started arresting Christians and killing Christians? A priest. When the day came, please God, that he repented of that. He said, Lord, forgive me, I want to I go back to the faith and, and the priesthood, would he have to be ordained again? Would he have to be ordained again? No. If, 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 if I went downtown this afternoon to get lunch and there was some kind of car accident and I noticed that somebody was dying and they said, I'm a Catholic, I need, I need a priest, I need the forgiveness of my sins, could I do it? Sure. And it would work. So, you are a priest forever is, um, is Catholic teaching. And it is rooted ultimately in this verse. The gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Even if, um, you know, sometimes we go from parish to parish and... Uh, you know, sometimes the preaching is better in one place than in another, and sometimes the, the way the clergy treat us is better in one place than in another. But the beautiful thing about it is that no matter what the priest is like, Jesus shows up in the sacraments. When the Mass is said, we as Catholics, believing that that bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ, the gifts and call of God are irrevocable, even if the priest is forgive me, uh, an idiot, Jesus still shows up in the Eucharist. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. You know, individuals sin, but the church as a church can never depart as the spouse of Christ, can never get a divorce. The church as a whole will always be faithful to her spouse, her bridegroom, Jesus Christ. The marriage vows... You know, when I was doing parish work, I witnessed many marriages. You know, it's the, it's the spouses who bestow the sacrament upon one another, but the, the priest needs to be there as a witness or a deacon. And I would always say to the, to the couples getting married, those of you who are married um, will appreciate this in particular. I said, you know, you're not the only ones making vows today. God is making a vow. 
And the vow that he's making is that each and every day of your life, in each and every circumstance that will ever happen to you, he is vowing, he is promising that he is going to be there with the grace and the strength necessary for you to stay faithful to one another, loving one another, and meeting all the responsibilities that married life brings. God is making a promise, and he will be there. That's why I used to tell the couples, I said, you know, tell the, the, the videographer not to turn the camera off during the sermon. Let him tape it because I have a message for you. And I would say to them, I want you to, when you're watching this on your 25th or 50th anniversary, please God, know that that presence and that promise of God are just as real at that moment as they are today on your wedding day. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. What about forgiveness? It's always available. You know, the Pope has said, you know, it is not God that gets tired of forgiving us. We get tired of asking Him. His promise to forgive when we repent. If we don't repent, and we're making a marriage. Uh, uh, we're making a mockery out of, uh, uh, out of, out of uh, reconciliation. He obviously requires our repentance. But when we do, is there ever a, going to be a time where God says, you know, I'm tired of forgiving? The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. What about the very reality of the, uh, of the incarnation itself? God planned, again, from all eternity, that he would become human. When you read, for example, the beginning of Matthew's gospel, you see this long list of names. There's a reason for it. Each of those names has a history, and some of them were pretty big sinners. And yet, despite the sins of the ancestors of Jesus, Jesus showed up. God takes into account, because remember, in eternity, He sees all time at once. Change, as I said before, is, a, is an aspect of time. God, outside of time, sees all the changes together. So He can plan in advance to take account of something that hasn't happened yet, but that he knows will happen. It doesn't mean he causes it. People are still free, but he knows it in advance. And so he can plan accordingly. So he planned accordingly for the, 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 for the salvation, for the incarnation to, to happen, for Christ the Savior to come, despite all the sins of even those who were in his lineage. There's some other beautiful verses, and again, they just say in different ways uh, this, this beautiful truth. I wanna, and I want to share them because it's like the Word of God echoing from different directions uh, within, our, uh, within our souls. The book of Numbers, Numbers uh, chapter 23, verse 19. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, will he not do it? He has spoken. Will he not fulfill it? That, of course, reminds, me, uh, reminds us of Isaiah 55, doesn't it? Let's go there. Let's read it exactly uh, as it's written. Talking about his word coming forth and doing the purpose for which, uh, for which he sent it. For as the rain, verse 10, and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, without watering the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. 
It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. First book of Samuel, chapter 15, starting with verse uh, 29, God says, And so the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. God Almighty and his promises. The letter of James in the New Testament. Beautiful verse here in, um, in uh, chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift, every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And the book just before that, the letter of the Hebrews, we read this in um, chapter 6, starting with verse 17. The letter of the Hebrews says, When God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You know, in Christian symbolism, what is the symbol for hope? It's an anchor. This is the verse of Scripture that that comes from. Hebrews there, chapter 6. The anchor of hope. Now, hope is, is a, it's, it's a key virtue for going through this life. We won't need it in heaven because what we hope for we will then possess. We won't need faith either because faith is, 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 is believing in something we do not see. But in heaven we'll see it, so we won't need faith. We'll have sight. We won't need hope. We will have possession. But the greatest of these is love. We will have love. Love endures forever. But this hope, like faith, it's reaching into the beyond. And it's saying, I have security and assurance now that I will have something then. I have security and assurance now that I will see something then that I do not see now. And the fact that the gift and the call of God are irrevocable have very practical impacts on our lives because that's how we can stay steady in unsteady times. That's how like Psalm 139 um, tells us, let me go there. This, of course, is the psalm that talks about um, the unborn child and, and God creating, the, uh, creating us in the secret place of our mother's womb. But there's another aspect of this psalm that I always like to, to quote. 
He says, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. See, the point of Psalm 139 is that you can't go anywhere where God isn't. It, wherever you, you can't run away from God. Wherever you go, God is there. He was there already before you got there. He'll be there after you leave. And even in the womb, in other words, the reference to the womb is in the context of saying, is there any place on earth I can go where God isn't with me? Even when I was in the secret places in the womb being formed and fashioned there, God was there. That was his handiwork. So, but what this also refers to is not just places, but circumstances. Things are going real well. You know God is with you, right? And you can say, praise the Lord. Yeah, things are going real well. God is with me. What if things are just the opposite? And they're falling apart. We say, well, there's certain days that are bright, certain days that are dark. We're going through dark times right now in, in America. Dark times in the church. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. God doesn't change his mind. The God who said, I am with you, and I will be with you all days, right? The conclusion of Matthew's gospel, I am with you always until the end of the world. It's amazing how all these verses really say what this verse said. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. His decision to be with us, the gift of his presence, doesn't change. I am with you all days, even the dark ones. Going back to Psalm 139, listen to this. If I say, surely the darkness shall hide me, and the light around me be night, even darkness is not dark for you. And the night, <laughs> this is a great verse, the night is as clear as the day. Some translations of this verse say, Lord, for you, night and day are the same. Because he's in eternity. We're in time. Things change for us. So we have good days and bad days. We have happiness and sadness. We have days when we have victories. We have other days where everything seems to be falling apart. But there's no distinction with God. His presence is with us all the same. His promises haven't changed. His love hasn't diluted. The gift of his spirit hasn't been retracted. Hope, the anchor, hasn't shaken. The faith hasn't been revoked. For you, the night is as bright as the day. Wow. You've got to keep that verse in mind. This verse from Romans and this verse from Psalm 139. Lord, for you, the night is as clear as the day. And I want to apply this to the changing and drastic circumstances in our country about which I speak uh, each night in this um, Praying for America program, which I hope you all will also watch. We are at a very dangerous moment in our country. I'll be explaining this more tomorrow night on the uh, program. We're, this is a very dangerous moment. Constitutional crisis is looming that is worse than anything we've had since the, the 1850s. 
And some people, seeing the tyranny, I mean, it's essential to see that we have in America a reassertion of tyranny. Whether it's in the form of stolen elections, cheating and, and fraud, or public officials who think they have more power than they have and they just override the will of the people, don't follow or implement the laws that are in place in regard to immigration or border security or whatever the case may be. And of course, people who are literally not only allowing but pushing for the killing of babies in the first nine months of their lives. And some people will say, oh, well, you know, I, I, this, this, is, this, is, this is off, this is horrifying, this is terrible. Okay, so far so good. But then they'll see, you'll hear some people say, oh, well, I'm not going to participate in the, this process anymore of uh, voting because, you know, they steal everything anyway I, and I can't uh, participate. Hold on a second. The gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. Now, that includes not only his, his gifts, but his call means what we need to do. So what he's going to do is irrevocable. What we're going to do, his call for us to do it hasn't changed. So in other words, voting is a moral obligation. That doesn't mean just in the good days. Voting is a moral obligation because Jesus fills us with his spirit and says, go change the world. Tell the nations to carry out everything I have commanded you. So in other words, create public policies in line with what I command you, which means choose public policy makers in line with what I command you. And his call to vote and his call to participate in changing the world and his great commission aren't just for the good years. They're for always. When he says the call of God is irrevocable, that means our basic duties towards him are irrevocable. Our duty to respect life is irrevocable. Our duty to, to take part in the public policy process, voting, lobbying, irrevocable. Our duty to protect the innocent, our duty to oppose things like abortion, it doesn't change because the winds are blowing in our face instead of at our back or vice versa or any way in between. We're not talking about something that we put our finger in the wind. Why do, so, why do so many people think that it is? That's, oh, oh the, well, things are going good, so then I'll do my duty, and if things are going bad, I won't do it. But it's still your duty. So what a, what a powerful verse uh, today Paul brings us from the letter to the Romans. His fidelity is irrevocable. Remember, he chose us, Paul says to the Ephesians, from the foundation of the world. Like I said before, he, there was never a time that God was God that he didn't know you, call you, choose you, and therefore he equips us. And therefore he will protect us. And therefore he is still asking us to put forth our efforts and our response. Let's do that. Let's do it joyfully. Hope is the anchor of our soul. We know that we possess victory, we possess salvation, we possess even now the eternal life that His call and His gifts give to us. Let's turn back to Him in prayer. Father, we thank You for uh, this, 
assurance that your word gives us. Night is as clear as the day. In the bad days, in the troubling times, our peace will rest in your light. It's as clear as the day. Thank you, Lord God, for this. This is the way forward. This is the way your people live. This is the way we respond to difficult times. Whether in our personal lives, in our relationships, or in the nation, in the world, this is how we respond. Steady, even keel, joy and peace, Lord God, that you give that nobody and no circumstance can take away. So we pray for that kind of strength. We pray for that kind of perspective. We pray for that kind of life. This is the life that your saints lived. This is why they were light in the darkness. This is why they were comfort and assurance to others. This is why they were victorious over evil and persevered through every obstacle. Lord, we drink of that strength today from your word, right directly from the, from the source. Let that same spirit who wrote these words now breathe their power into us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we ask you to receive the petitions of your people, all those prayer requests that have been mentioned, and those that remain in our hearts, prayers for health, prayers for wisdom, prayers for consolation, prayers for guidance, prayers of gratitude in the midst of victories. And help us, Lord God, to serve one another and to serve the weakest among us, the children in the womb. Lord, open the eyes of our fellow citizens to realize this is not some kind of optional issue. Oh, let's protect them if we want. Lord God, help our people to realize that the very existence of that life absolutely requires a response of protection and respect. It can be no other way. We sum up all our prayers and praises now, Lord God, Father of all, by praying to you as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for uh, being with me on this Lord's Day. I hope you have a great Sunday time together for friends, family, rest, worship, and uh, rejoicing. Let's get ready for a great week ahead. We have much work to do together for the kingdom of God, for the cause of life. Thank you for being part of all this. Stay tuned to all of our other programming on these channels where you're watching now. And uh, finally, please consider giving a gift to our ministry, ProLifeGift.org, or you can call us 321-500-1000. We have one of the simplest numbers. 321-500-1000. Give us a call. Find out how you can support us or go to ProLifeGift.org. We rely only on people like you. Talk to you soon. God bless.
Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.